0: All right, how is everybody? Good to see you all today. Glad that you are here. Um, So uh, we're going to talk about love today. And so um, I have a couple of jokes um, that I would like to start off with. If you love something, set it free. If it comes back, it was and always will be yours. If it never returns, it was never yours to begin with. If it just sits in your living room, messes up your stuff, eats your food, uses your telephone, takes your money, and never behaves as if you actually set it free in the first place, you're either married or you gave birth to it. (laughs) Bill and Steve are discussing the possibility of love. I thought I was in love three times, Bill said. Thought, Steve asked, what do you mean? Three years ago, I cared very deeply for a woman who wanted nothing to do with me, Bill says. Wasn't that love, Steve asked? No, that was obsession. Then two years ago, I cared very deeply for an attractive woman who didn't understand me. Wasn't that love, asked Steve. No, that was lust, Bill replied. And just last year, I met a woman while I was on a cruise, She was gorgeous, intelligent, a great conversationalist, and had a super sense of humor. Everywhere I followed her on that ship, I would get a very strange sensation in the pit of my stomach. Well, wasn't that love, asked Steve. No, that was motion sickness, Bill (laughs) replied. All right, so um, I actually found some other ones I'm not going to share because my wife read them and didn't like them, but... Um, One of them I have to share, she's she's not at this service, she's downstairs working with the kids, but I've learned a little bit about Claire's uh, sense of humor, so this one is dedicated to Claire, if you uh, have heard Claire tell jokes. I am so unlucky in love. I asked a blind woman for a date last week and she said she was seeing someone. I see you have a lot in common with Claire. All right. Uh, so grab a Bible and turn to John chapter 3. Uh, if you are new today, we have been going through the gospel of John now for uh, quite a while. We are only made it to the third chapter. We're picking up steam a little bit. And uh, I want to read um, a little section here. It, this little section contains what is probably the best known scripture verse of all time. Uh, but also contains some difficult verses uh, that I will just make a brief comment on uh, towards the end of our time together. So John chapter 3, page numbers are up on the screen, should be a Bible around you, and I will begin reading at verse 16. For this is how God loved the world. This is Jesus speaking. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. All right. So we're going to start with our question. Here we go. Uh, How has or is your understanding of Jesus or church or spirituality changing? Um, Just to be clear, I'm not necessarily looking for you to comment on all three of those, but I'm I'm aware that some of you may have trouble kind of answering that question in regards to Jesus and uh, just the fact that you're at church is a big deal or um, you're in a spiritual kind of place. So you can answer any of the three, Um, and uh, if you'd like to answer the question, Flint and James are going to run mics, you get their attention, stand up, speak directly in the mic, and. Um, I, I hope a few of you would be willing to help us get started. Here we go. How has or is your understanding of Jesus or church or spirituality changing? Uh, I would have to say for myself is actions, um, walking, and, <clears throat> walking and being like Jesus throughout the day and throughout the week, and actions speak louder than words, obviously, and just trying to be kind to everybody. Thank you, Jason. Hi, everyone. I'm Misty. Um, so kind of like you're born and you love your mom you know your mom does things for you you just love her and all this stuff and then you get older and you have a baby and then that baby you know what love is and so i think that before my life was like mom like i love you you know he loves me and all this stuff but now i understand that i'm his baby Hmm. and that just seems to me to bring out a different kind of love Hmm. that's more thank you misty Who else would be willing to share today? Hi, Lighthouse. I'm Louisa. And as far as spirituality goes, um, I think one way that my life is... my understanding is changing is that, like, if I am grateful to God or whatever... Like I get to be closer to God if I have a heart of gratitude rather than bitterness and anger and all that stuff. Very good. Thank you, Louisa. <clears throat> all right. Hands over there. Um, I think I thought for a long time that, it, that the whole thing was like, if I did A, B, C, if I did all the right things, then God would, like, grant my wishes and give me the life that I thought that I should have, right? And then I was really angry when I did A, B, and C, and the life I wanted didn't happen, right? (laughs) And so I think today just that I understand that I have no control, and, like, just getting to be God is everything or God is nothing, right? God is in everything, and I can be in that flow, and I can trust God, and I really, I don't really control much. And there's kind of some peace in that, so that's different. Thanks, Erica. (laughs) Hi, I'm Stephanie. Um, Throughout the years, I had a lot of opportunity to not be in such great places at bad times, and I always listened to my inner voice, and it always saved me. Um, I used to think that was coming from me, but now that I'm getting older and looking back on things, I was really connected to God, and um, I'm working my way to get back there. Thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks, Stephanie. That was very good. Hello, I'm Galen. Uh, when I grew up, uh, my parents always told me to dress up for church, and, and uh, I would question, why do we have to do that? It's like, well, it's respect for God's house. But as I read the scripture, I realized that this building is not God's house. This body is God's house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, Galen. Very good. <clears throat> all right, Jason. Yeah, um, through my studies of reading Bible back and forth, concordances, theology books, all, every book that I like to write, um, what I found is through all that, the legalism or what that means, that mean, what really matters to God is people. Hmm. Thank you, Jason. Good answer. All right, got time for one more. Anybody else want to share? love to hear one more if anybody's interested. Holger, we'll wrap up with you. Good morning, everybody. Uh, To me, the understanding of all this is that when I grew up, my parents taught me that it's a salvation, you know, with Jesus and spirituality and church, going to the church, but I never follow it. Until now, whether you understand that is a salvation, hmm. it is a salvation. And they taught me right, but I never follow it. But I now I have the opportunity to do so. Uh, thank you, Walter. Thank <laughs> Thanks. Um, I always love uh, you know that that time together, and thank you for your uh, comments. And I encourage you to give that a little thought today. We're going to discuss that at Spirituality Recovery tonight. If you'd uh, like to join us. I want to start this way. One of the interesting things about being a pastor is when people find out what you do for a living, they assume you want to hear all about what they believe about God and church and spiritual matters. In fact, they like to tell you their entire life history in regards to those things. Thank you. Truthfully, um, I often enjoy hearing people's thoughts and especially people's stories. Uh, we all come from someplace, right? And our stories, of course, shape our views about who God is. Um, they shape our views about our, you know, about the church. And I know that as we gather every week in this place, that there are some of you here today, even if you've been coming for a while, there are some of you here today who still have trouble believing you actually go to church. Um, It's pretty cool, actually. Uh, um, I've learned in my own recovery um, that I'm not responsible, or that I am responsible for my side of the street, and you are responsible for your side of the street, and I'm not responsible for your side of the street. It's been one of the great... Uh, ministry lessons that I have learned in my own recovery journey. Um, I also have come to accept that it's true spiritually as well. That means that I'm not responsible for what you believe. Uh, You are. And um, I'm going to respect you wherever it is that you are on this spiritual journey. Um, And I will, um, on my part, though, do the best I can. You know, I'm not perfect at this. Um, I will do the best I can to teach the basics of our faith, um, help us to apply them to our daily lives. Um, But you and I, we need to learn to think for ourselves, right? And that means spiritually as well. I will say um, that if your views are shaped completely by one bad experience in the past, whether that's from a pastor or a priest and something they said or something that a church did to you, you are giving them a lot of power over your life. And so um, my encouragement would be to kind of help put that in the past as we move forward as um, a family here at Lighthouse Church. You know, the Bible teaches that you and I have been created in God's image, that you have been created as a living soul, With a mind and a heart, you have been created to wrestle with who God is and answer the God question. You've been created with an emptiness or void that only God can satisfy and fill. Uh, But the reality is, is that we try to fill it with all sorts of things all of the time. Um, so one of the things that was most surprising to me when I um, started a recovery program was one of the first things I heard is, Dale, you have a spiritual problem. And I thought, who in the world are you, you think you're talking to? What do you mean I have a spiritual problem? Um, I did. And they said, but you should know that there is a spiritual solution. We try to fill this void in us with all sorts of things. But can I just tell you, only God can fill it. One of the interesting things I've found over the years is that like people I know who are atheists, they have thought a lot about God. A lot more than most of you have. Um, agnostics, man, if you are trying to be indifferent to the whole spiritual question, can I just suggest, that's quite a bit of work. You know, it'd be easier to maybe at least kind of focus on some things and, and, and work on acceptance. One dynamic that I have found fascinating at the Lighthouse, and we've kind of heard it uh, in the question-answer time a little bit today, is that many people, perhaps you came here not really sure of what you believed about God, and you might have been pretty sure about what you believed about churches But when you encountered a people of grace and acceptance and um, and encouragement, you knew that you could bring your hurts here. And you learned that you could bring your needs here. That you could bring your struggles here and be open about them. And that you could ask for prayers for them and find that there will be people who walk alongside you in this journey. Can I just suggest to you this morning that that's what Jesus is all about? That is Jesus. That's the character of Jesus. That Jesus is in that. Jesus is in the community. We talk about how we are the body of Christ still on this earth. We are Jesus' mouth and his hands and his feet, his heart, his love, and his care for one another. You know, there's something about our modern-day Christianity that says that if you are going to church, uh, to hang out in church, uh, if you're going to say that you believe in Jesus, then you had better darn well have your life put together. I think the reason for the growth of Lighthouse Church is not that we have the most amazing pastor or that he preaches the best sermons ever, although those things are true. (laughs) Turn and tell somebody he has to get over himself. It's not that we have the best worship band or team in the world, although they do a great job, right? Yeah. Um, it's, you didn't clap for me. Yeah, um, it's, it's, uh, it's not that we have the, you know, the best facility in the world, although I've come to really love our church home. Um, you know, the reason why Lighthouse has continued to be effective in ministry and why it has grown... Um, is because um, because of you, uh, because we can be real here. and we can be honest here. And you know we can be kind of upfront that we are all works in progress, that we experience brokenness and struggles and suffering and pain. You can be honest about those things. And you can even be honest about what you believe or what you're not sure you believe yet or what your questions are without judgment. I share that because um, that's where some of you might be today. Um, you've, You've heard that this is a place where you can come no matter what's going on in your life and where you can find some acceptance and support. That's who we are. But can I just suggest um, that that's what Jesus is? And, uh, you know, I, I know, I just want to acknowledge for a moment that that churches don't always, you know, get that right. And uh, I want to kind of just say a little bit from a kind of a theological standpoint about that. Um, I read some years ago a book by the, by the name Glorious Ruin, how Suffering Sets You Free. It was written by a pastor, Tulian Chavidian, I believe. I'm not, I think I'm pronouncing it right. It's actually the grandson of Billy and Ruth Graham, and he had uh, gone through lots of issues in his own life. And uh, in, the, in his book, um, I read this. He said, Church groups and Bible studies can be wonderful times of mutual encouragement and spiritual ed- edification, but they can also be highly sanitized groups, group-enabling um, group sessions governed by a suffocating set of unwritten rules about what is permissible and what is not. Maybe you're allowed to voice a prayer concern if it's only couched in hopeful terms. For example, my wife and I have been going through a tough season recently, but I know God uses iron to sharpen iron. Instead of saying, my wife and I can't stop fighting. We are at each other's throats night and day, and I don't know how much more I can take. We both know it's not good, but we can't seem to help ourselves. I don't know what to do. Hear the difference? Then he writes this. It's going to be up on the screen. When an admission of suffering or weakness is interpreted as a lack of faith, honesty soon falls by the wayside leaving the sufferer lonelier than before. He goes on, there must be a good Friday before there can be an Easter, and if our suffering is hedged in language intended to shield God from culpability, we never get beyond the life support stage. Beyond each one of these barriers to honesty is a deep-seated misconception about Christianity. Then he writes this sentence, it'll be up there as well. Contrary to popular belief, Christianity is not about good people getting better. If anything, it is about bad people coping with their failures to be good. That is to say, Christianity concerns the gospel, which is nothing more or less than the good news that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Christ was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification The gospel is a proclamation that always addresses sinners and sufferers directly. That is you and me. Often church life or our spiritual life becomes focused on our happiness or on our moral performance. In other words, they begin to focus on me instead of Jesus. And that just feeds into an issue that lots of us have in this room because we love to focus on me. <clears throat> when this happens in our daily lives and then we begin to struggle with doubts or, or we begin to struggle with our moral behaviors, our thoughts and our actions um, begin to overwhelm us and so then we feel like we have to pretend that everything is okay. Okay. There's a classic New Yorker cartoon of a man having a dinner with a woman, and he says to her, look, I can't promise that I'm going to change, but I can promise I'll pretend to change. (laughs) So Chavidian also says this in the book, we make a serious mistake when we reduce the good news to its results, such as patience, sobriety, and compassion, in the lives of those who have heard it. These are beautiful developments, and they should be celebrated, but they should not be confused with the gospel itself. The gospel is not a means to an end. It is an end in itself. I want you to hear this, my friends, Um, because I I hear all the time um, that, you know, I'll ask somebody, you know, um, how you doing spiritually? You know, Misty, how you doing spiritually? Or Terry, how you doing spiritually? James, how you doing spiritually? And usually, our go-to right away is um, all the things that we kind of feel guilty about not doing. You know, well, gosh, I should—I haven't read my Bible lately. I really should be reading my Bible. Or yeah, I'm not—I'm not coming to church quite as you know regularly as I should. Um, or I, you know, I my my time with God. Yeah, I, I've kind of let that fall. And and what? Just can I just point this out? What is that focusing on? It's focusing on you. It's focusing on you. So um, the Jesus that I have come to know, and I, it's, just let's be clear. Um, I got a long ways to go in this. But the Jesus that, you, that I've come to know in the Bible, in the New Testament, in John's Gospel, um, he just wants us to be focused on him. Then he will take care of the rest of the stuff. Um, you know, I, I tell you once in a while, you know, if you want to kind of pursue this faith of ours, um, I'm not going to give you a long list of things to do. Just focus on Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. He's already in love with you. Get to know Jesus. Start to act like Jesus, even if it's not natural. You know, do your best to start to kind of live like Jesus, and you will begin to see that it will change and transform your life. But that's not the goal. The goal is for you to experience the loving relationship with Jesus that he wants to have with you. Because God is madly in love with you. Our section from John today contains what is the most well-known verse of the Bible, I believe. Man, you watch sporting events and somebody's always there holding up a sign. John 3, 16. For God so loves the world that he gave his one and only Son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's been said that this one verse contains the whole of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, you want to know what this faith is about? You want to know what this fellowship called Lighthouse Church is about? You want to know what the Bible teaches? Focus on that verse. Start with that verse. For God so loves the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I thought today that it might be important to share a little bit about what this verse means to us and to me. And especially what this verse can mean to those of you who are searching spiritually. You know, I want to share um, something about the God that I've personally come to know in Jesus Christ. Um, I hear in the recovery community all of the time from people who grew up hearing of a God of judgment. An angry God who is just waiting for you to screw up so he could zap you. Often, around recovery, I hear people talk about the God they 've come to peace with in their recovery journey, um, or that they 've gained an understanding of because we 're told to search for a God of your own understanding um, and what i 'll often hear people say is that it 's a lot different than what I thought when I was growing up, and then i 'll say, "Well, can you tell me about the God of your understanding and Nine out of ten times, I will sit there and I'll think, man, that sounds a lot like Jesus. I want you to know that. Sounds a lot like Jesus. And, um, you know, if you're searching for peace with God, um, I believe that peace with God equals Jesus. So from John 3.16, what I've come to know is that you can know God personally and intimately and that you can experience his presence and grace and guidance in the good times and the bad. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Um, That verse is the lens, the reading glasses that we should read the Bible with, um, that we should have on when we read the Bible, and it is the glasses, the lens that we should use when we see life all around us. Let me share just three quick things that I, I want you to know about, about this verse and what it can mean to you. Number one, um, we learn in this verse that God in the core of his being is love. Um, his heart is love. You know, when we moved into this building, um, there was some writing on the walls. They were came from the Christian Science Church. Um, i Probably Kirk back there painted over those, didn't you? Didn't uh, somebody painted over them because um, they weren't part of what we, you know, wanted to be about or part of our faith? Um, but there were words in this room that we left very intentionally, and they're right up there. They come from First John, the same author, and in First John chapter four, he says, "God is love." We wanted those words to be the first words that you saw when you walked into this room. And we want you to to know that, that. We tell you that every week you come to this place. You know, God is love. If there's one thing that I want you to know about God on this journey of whatever you're on, it's that God is love, that God loves you. Sometimes we get or hear the idea that God needed to be pacified or persuaded to forgive us. That we get this picture of an angry, unforgiving God and a loving and forgiving Jesus. Or sometimes it's like Jesus changed God's mind or attitude. It's kind of like the Old Testament version and the New Testament version of God. So let me just comment on that. The Old Testament view of, that some of you might be either struggling with or you might have of a God is incomplete, I would suggest. Um, For the people who wrote the Old Testament, it was what they understood at the time. Jesus came to reveal God to us. He came to make clear to us who God is. The New Testament is absolutely clear about that. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus, writes Paul. The fullness of God lives in Jesus Christ. If you want to know God, get to know Jesus, and what you're going to discover is that God is love, that God is a giver of love and grace and salvation, and our relationship with him is initiated by him. Jesus is God coming to you with open arms. He is the God himself, and you can know him. He pursues us until we come to accept him. God is love. Say, God is love. love. Number two, uh, God is a God of action. He is a giver of love and grace. He's always working. Jesus talks about... You know, the, the shepherd who has a hundred sheep, one of them's gone, he leaves the 99. What's he do? Goes after the one who is lost. Jesus is a God of action. Um, he is not about um, extracting justice, but his actions come from a heart of love. To understand this completely, you need to understand the whole of Jesus' story. Sometimes we think that God operates on our terms like we do, like tit for tat, a reward system, I do good, God gives me good. I do good, he's going to protect me from harm. I do bad things, he's only going to give me bad things. That's not what those verses were, were, were telling us in the Gospel of John. Now I want to be clear that God does care about our daily lives and that he will even step in now and then and protect us or rescue us even from ourselves, go figure, right? But ultimately, God's not a first responder. And he's not in the first responder business. God is in the redemption business. He's in the salvation business. He wants to use our struggles and our issues for good purposes, to build our character. The story of Jesus is God came to earth as a human, walked where we walked, Experience what we experienced, suffered and died as we're going to one day die, to join with us in our journey of life, to redeem us and strengthen us in our struggles, and to hold us in our suffering. I uh, want to share a, a, some other words from a, a book by A.W. Tozer, a very uh, well-known uh, theologian, pastor, Um, And uh, he writes this about John 3.16. He says, "'Jesus Christ came not to condemn you, but to save you, "'knowing your name, knowing all about you, "'knowing your weight right now.'" Ouch, yeah. (laughs) "'Knowing your age, knowing what you do, "'knowing where you live, knowing what you ate for supper "'and what you will eat for breakfast.'" Where you will sleep tonight, how much your clothing cost, who your parents were. He knows you individually as though there was not another person in the entire world. He died for you as certainly as if you had been the only lost one. He knows the worst about you and is the one who loves you the most. If you're out of the fold and away from God, put your name in the words of John 3.16. Lord, it is I. I am the cause and reason why thou didst on earth come to die. That kind of positive personal faith and a personal redeemer is what saves you. If you you will rush in there, you do not have to know all the theology, all the right words. You can simply say, I am the one that you came to die for. For God so loved me that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Write it down in your heart. He says, Jesus is Jesus is me. Thee and me as though there were no others have that kind of personal belief in a personal Lord and Savior. Say Jesus is a God of action. Number three, third thing I want to share. Um, John 3.16 also does reveal to us the breadth of God's love. It reminded me of Ephesians chapter three verses 18 and 19. It says this, um, should be up on the screen here. There we go. And uh, may you all have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how deep, and how, or how high and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all fullness of life and power that comes from God. Um, It's even hard, it's impossible for us to fully understand and comprehend the love of God that he has for us in Christ Jesus. God loves you. God loves the entire world. God loves the churchgoer, and God loves the atheist. He loves the successful businessman and the homeless mother of three. He loves the lady who today has life put together and the guy who did last week but today is strung out on drugs. He loves your Muslim or Buddhist neighbor as much as he loves you. God's love is complete. He loves every person that he has created, and he does love them unconditionally. St. Augustine once said, God loves each one of us as if there was only one of us to love. I tell you all the time that God has created you for love. He loves you unconditionally. You are his. There is nothing that you can do today that's going to make him love you more than he already did yesterday. Nothing that you can do today that's going to make him love you more tomorrow. And it is when we accept that fact And begin to say, okay, Jesus, I'm in. That that he begins to work in our life. For me, what this means is that I've come to know that God is always with me. When I succeed or when I have a victory, and when I stumble and fall, it means that when I think he has abandoned me, he is closer than I think. When I feel that he has stopped loving me, he loves me even more. When I'm frustrated and angry at him, he's big enough to take it. And when I am afraid, he understands because he is my friend. The more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. But this I do know. He has planted inside of me a faith that even in my darkest moments, I could not abandon or deny. He has planted in my heart the wellspring of his love that has each day helped me to see him and to see you more and more like Jesus would see you and love you more and more like he does. His love lives inside of me and I want it to live inside of you too. So, excuse me, we need to just comment quickly before we close on those last few verses um, because they seem to almost contradict John 3.16. Um, and um, I want to be clear what it is that, that Jesus is saying in those verses, um, because what he's, what he's saying is if, if you look at these verses through John 3.16 and the love that God has for us, um, one, of the, one of the most profound things about God um, is, that, is that he is not codependent. God, like, you know, God could have started Alan on. Maybe some of you think he did. And um, what I mean by that is, you know, so I'm a believer that that faith is a gift of God, that the only reason I believe in Jesus is because somehow the Holy Spirit has drawn me to believe in him. It's a kind of a scriptural concept. concept. If you were here last week, we talked about how um, nobody says Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. But... God loves us so much that he's not going to force us into anything either. And so I, I read those verses to say that if you want to be apart from him, he's going to respect your wishes. And what what Jesus calls that is darkness. He says, if you want to be in the dark, um, you can be in the dark. But my light is going to continue to shine and and the God that I know, um, he's going to be pursuing you the rest of your life. If, if, you, you know, if you're just not sure, I want you to know that he is still there. He is still after you. He still loves you. And his light continues to shine. Um, and today we have the invitation to perhaps let the light shine even in our darkness, if that's where we're at. God loves you. Thank you for hanging with me.